0: Chapter 2. Trust is a must. More trust, less compliance. In South Africa, we've survived load shedding, which the rest of the world calls rolling blackouts. Water shedding may be next. All this shedding got me thinking. Imagine if oxygen shedding was a possibility. Bizarre, I know, but think for a minute of the lengths we would have to go to. The oxygen tanks, the cumbersome, draining paraphernalia we'd be forced to use simply to function as we had before. This little mental exercise was inspired by a Warren Buffett quote I came across about trust. Trust is like the oxygen we breathe. We don't notice it until it's gone. Fortunately, natural forces, rather than any utility company, are in charge of oxygen levels. Leaders, however, are responsible for trust levels in organisations, and judging by how much we are noticing its absence, trust has well and truly left the building. Its alter ego, compliance, is thriving if the abundance of standard operating procedures, top-heavy structures, red tape, performance management systems, scorecards, and checks and balances are anything to go by. Most likely... Trust was hardly flourishing in industries like manufacturing and mining. However, the rise of mistrust is alarming. We see it among employees and employers, government and the electorate locally and globally, organised labour groupings, government and business, even shareholders and companies. Share price and currency collapses are the unfortunate result not only of economic realities, but also due to the trust deficits among key stakeholders that are all too obvious. Mistrust is all around. And just like a lack of oxygen to the brain, it clouds our thinking, impairs our ability to perform, and stunts our innovation and growth potential. But like dogs chasing their tails, the first thing we do in the name of improving performance and minimizing risk is to increase compliance measures, more standard operating procedures, more hierarchy. Because if you don't trust your people, then you need other people to look after them. More systems, more checks and balances, and more rules. Ironically, as mistrust increasingly pervades our atmosphere, we've never talked more about trust, transparency, honesty, and accountability. Yet our actions speak so loudly, it's no wonder employees can't hear a word we are saying. As the saying goes, rules are for fools, wise men make them and break them. The more rules we make, the louder we yell, you fools, to our employees. And nobody enjoys being treated like a fool. Think about the last time you were on the receiving end of a system of mistrust. My favorite one is any airport security. Just add Heathrow for extra intensity. Does that experience make me feel motivated, energized, and keen to go the extra mile? You must be kidding. The only way I survive is to go into brain-dead mode. William L. McKnight, chairman and CEO of 3M, said in 1924, if you put fences around people, you get sheep." And that's exactly what our overemphasis on compliance is doing to millions of employees every day. Workplaces of sheep would be bad enough, but there's more. By so clearly not trusting our employees, we have created an environment of mistrust. In his book, Smart Trust, Stephen Covey talks about the trust equation. This is how it works. If you extend trust, the result is an increase of trust. If you withhold trust, the result is an increase of mistrust. This little equation clearly highlights that employees don't trust companies because companies don't trust them. Desperately seeking to control through compliance, we have, inadvertently perhaps, created a workplace of untrustables. And the trust equation indicates the solution is astonishingly simple and doable for the brave among us. If we want employees to trust us, we need to start the virtuous cycle by doing what leaders are meant to do. Go first. Why trust is a must. The case for trust. Simple? Yes. Easy? No. While it's easy to see how destructive compliance is, it may be a case of better the devil you know, despite the risks of creating a compliance culture. Sheep, after all, are easier to herd. Trusting feels risky. Trust implies knowledge, a relationship. Trust isn't black and white. It's more likely to be messy and murky. But the deeper thing, the rub, as Hamlet called it, is this. Trust requires that we believe that human beings are basically good, that is, trustworthy, that we see them as a possibility rather than a problem. In a low-trust world where business, government and other institutions have been exposed as untrustworthy, this is a challenge. For those of us who trust the numbers, the numbers for trust are compelling. In companies high-trust companies outperform their peers in terms of profitability by an average of 289%. In countries, the Corruption Perception Index correlates perfectly with per capita GDP per country. That is, the lower the corruption perception in a country, the higher the GDP. Mohamed Yunus, Nobel Prize winner, author of Banker to the Poor and founder of Grameen Bank, created his business around the principle that if you trust, people prove themselves to be trustworthy. Levels of energy, innovation and engagement soar. Speed improves and cost decreases. Things are simpler and work better. Another example, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger are hardly candy-striped do-gooders. They've built Berkshire Hathaway, one of the most successful global businesses, on a foundation of trust. Rather than trying to manage their 77 direct reports, who manage the various business divisions, they trust them. Ever the pragmatists, they acknowledge that there will always be exceptions and that these should be dealt with. But for the most part, Buffett and Munger inspire and energize their managers simply by putting their trust in them. Nordstrom's, the global retail giant, has also built their business on a foundation of trust. Even though they employ a workforce of thousands who interact with their customers on a daily basis, employees need only adhere to one rule. Use your good judgment in all situations. Closer to home? These offshore examples are good and well, but closer to home... Sadly, I can't quote a litany of trust success stories. More prevalent are those where a lack of trust is driving companies and even industries to breaking point. The mining industry openly acknowledges the trust deficit among all stakeholders. Management, employees, unions, communities and the government is a key factor in its decline. What the cycle of mistrust clearly demonstrates is that the trust equation holds true. Extend trust and you generate it. Withhold trust and you generate mistrust. Of course, the mining industry has deep-rooted legacy issues and a politicised history going back well over a 100 years. These are not likely to be resolved in a day. It is still yoked by trust deficit in compliance-driven systems and processes. Because how else do you control a workforce of 50,000 employees? At the 2015 Joburg and Conference, Joseph Matunjwa, the leader of AMCU, the fastest-growing and most aggressive organized labor grouping, and Terence Goodlace, the then CEO of Impala Platinum, the world's second-largest platinum producer, had a first-ever, one-of-a-kind public conversation about the industry and its issues. In many ways, it was positive to see that there could be amicable interaction between business and organised labour within the current context of mistrust. However, many audience members were shocked at how far away the two worldviews are, as if they were speaking from different planets. As part of the same conference, we conducted the Joburg and Index, a survey among industry leadership, which are CEOs, board members and senior management, to track the industry's progress in terms of modernization. Tellingly, the questions asking leaders to rate themselves or communicating strategy internally with employees, listening to employees' ideas and engaging and inspiring employees resulted in shockingly low scores. The listening, engaging, inspiring skills 15% rated themselves as effective. For communicating strategy internally with employees, 30% rated themselves as effective. For me, these puzzle pieces fit together to form a disturbing picture. Communicating intent, the why we are doing, direction, the where we are going, and listening, the where we are now, are critical building blocks of the trust relationship between employer and employee. By conveniently outsourcing this communication job to organised labour, management has ceded its trust-building opportunity as well. It's no surprise who employees trust and follow now. What now? Relationships rule. The best way to change a system is to use the system. The mining industry, with its hierarchical command and control culture, is ideal. In mining, everybody does what the boss does, which means that leadership leverage is huge. So what should leaders do to build trust? To repeat my earlier point, leaders need to go first by extending and role modeling trust. As system owners, leaders have the scope to look at and start discussions about how systems send messages of trust or mistrust. Most importantly, Leaders need to own and initiate communication with employees, to regularly share intent the why we are doing, direction the where we are going, and be open to listening to employees' ideas, perceptions, and feedback. It's up to leadership to demonstrate that relationships are important, to encourage dialogue and conversation rather than rattle off commands, and to realize that that it's their job to get to know the people they lead. And in this way, to build trust, even if it is one person at a time. Imagine if trust could go viral in a 100-year-old industry. I believe it's not as far-fetched as it sounds if we as leaders can get our heads around the fact that the benefits of a trust culture far outweigh the risks of a compliance culture, if we can overcome our fear, let go of our need for control, and finally, if we can just decide to go first.